0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of Pure Dead PlayStation, a Pure Dead gaming podcast with me, Donny, bringing you this podcast every two weeks. Today we'll be discussing the latest news, we'll be discussing what we've been playing up to and including Diablo 4, and a feature today we're going to take a pony look at Summer Games Fest and Xbox Showcase and what we think, how it looked, and let's compare them. But to do all that, I need a couple of guests. First of all, once again, Pure Red PlayStation is going transatlantic. I've looked out, I've gone to America, I've brought in someone I know, Sergeant Sentinel Gaming from the XPN Network. How are
1: you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Danny. Great good. to be here.
0: Good, good. Obviously, we know each other because I've been on your podcast a couple of times, but you know, you've know, you not been on mine yet. We had uh, BMG on the first episode, who was his great usual self, so it's, uh, it's yeah. good to have you with us, man. It's good to be here. Good, good. And coming in hot as well, he was on Afterlife last month. Good boy, Jamie. Glad to have you again, mate.
2: <clears throat> yeah, happy to be here. Absolutely, no and Thank you for offer, uh, Thank you for for asking us to pop on
0: at, at at the last minute. I might add, not that I've got much planned for the evening. It was either the, it was either <laughs>
2: this or sitting, playing Diablo, drinking beer. So
0: that actually sounds like a better plan than this. By the way, <laughs> now, so I'm, like, now
2: I'm chatting here, drinking beer. It's, it's really yeah.
0: not not an issue. <laughs> I mean, listen, fair play to you. You know, and and. The weather, listen, Sarge, Sentinel, I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you this question, okay? Because I've seen too many Americans laughing at us Brits. And us <laughs> Scots for right. our temperatures here, okay? Because it's 30 degrees, which for you is 90 Fahrenheit, and we are all sweating. But sorry, we don't have aircon. We have insulation in our houses, and it's fucking hot, mate, okay? Yeah. So no jokes, but Jamie, this, this temperature is unreal. I mean, I can see it on the camera. I can see the sweat on this camera. If I, I mean,
2: if I had my camera on, it would look like I was underwater. <laughs> I'd be like, would be like that scene from Airplane where the guys try to pie the plane. Oh yeah, and the sweat just, coming the down. The sweat is just pouring off them. Yeah,
0: it's like a <laughs> cascading down my forehead. <laughs> nice. So, in terms, obviously, with you know the last few weeks, it's been a busy few weeks. No, we'll, we'll call it E three season. I mean, how, I know how are you guys feeling about sort of the gaming just now? What kind of what's your what's your thoughts been the last couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, so it's always an interesting time of the year. I, I love this kind of time of the year, like um, because I feel that, obviously, E3 lasts, what, normally a few days. Mm-hmm. Summer Game Fest generally lasts from kind of end of May right through to the end of August, really, do not it? Because you've got Gamescom that kind of wraps it all up a little bit there yeah. in, in August. So I, I enjoy it from that point of view, because you get all these little showcases, Um Even today, for for somebody who's into his VR, there was the Upload VR showcase, which had a few things um, unveiled. Nice. So from from that point of view, I really like this time of year for that sort of stuff. Um, That being said, I think E3 does have a bit more of a kind of focus on it. And sometimes I feel that there's too much spread over. Mm -hmm. And maybe in these, and I I know we're going to be talking about it soon enough, but the problem with then having these showcases is that sometimes they just don't meet the expectations that you maybe would have gotten at like the old school E3, and and we're talking going back to when PS4 and Xbox One were announced, and that fanfare, and those were all done at E3 if I remember right. Mm -hmm. So they had their own dedicated studio-based showcases, and it was all bish-bash-bosh, and they hit you with. Like the bangers, whereas I kind of sometimes feel in Summer Games Fest, Jeff Keighley does a great job of hyping it all up, but really it never, in my opinion, it never sort of lives up to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think as well, what probably doesn't help is is that we as fans, we put so much hype on it because we're excited and we're fanboys. And especially this year with Sony's one, because it had been nearly two years, because it had been getting hyped up, I think even from a personal standpoint, I hyped it too high. I got I I was way over the top. I don't know, you know, Sentinel. You know, what were you kind of going into it? What did you feel?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I felt the same way. Um, especially about the PlayStation Showcase. You know, it had been so long. Yeah. Um, I was predicting because they have the Twisted Metal TV series that they would follow how they did with The Last of Us, and we would also get a Twisted Metal PlayStation Five game. Of course, that didn't materialize. Yeah, and I
0: predicted I, that too. Yeah.
1: It just, it disappointed so many people the PlayStation showcase did. And you have some people damage controlling, well, it has great games. And I'm like, yes, but almost all of them are multi-platform. So as far as what PlayStation's actual studios are working on, aside from Spider-Man 2, we don't know anything.
0: Yeah. We're going to save that point. We'll talk about that at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's a great, that's a good talking point that we'll get saved for about an hour's time. so. (laughs) So to get us there... Let's start with the news. And recently, you know, Embracer Group, sadly, have announced layoffs, studio closures, 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 and corporate restructuring. In an open letter on his website, Group CEO Lars Wingforce said that the newly announced restructuring would make Embracer leaner, stronger, and a more focused, self-sufficient company. He goes on to say, during the last few years, Embracer has invested significantly in both acquisitions and a strategy of accelerated organic growth we've acquired some of the world's leading IP and have invested in one of the largest pipelines of games across the industry. Now these announcements today cannot be a shock and they cannot be unexpected. Embracer recently lost half of its public value after losing a reported two billion dollar partnership and the major release of Saints Row fell short of their forecasting. So all this as well is all after they've been on a shopping spree that would put a Kardashian to shame. I'm asking 12 operating groups 138 internal studios and around 850 yes 850 ip now about nine months ago not that i'm taking credit of this, like 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 i was the only one that saw this coming but on an afterlife episode on our monthly roundup i sat there and i'm no expert and i wasn't the only one a few people went this is unsustainable. Like, no company can have this many studios. You're literally releasing four or five games a quarter yeah. out of your one publisher. It was too big, too fast. So, Sentinel, I mean, you know, you know, listen, people losing their jobs never want to celebrate that by any means, you know. But this, yeah. this, this cannot be a shock. This was a, certainly. I don't think the two billion partnership made that big a difference. It obviously, didn't help, but this had to be coming.
1: Yeah, it's it's poor management with all these different studios, you know, like you said you only have 4 games coming out and they they own all these studios, all these IPs and they have to produce and it's not just they have to produce, but they have to produce quality content. Yeah. You know, it it didn't help you had developers from uh that were, that worked on Saints Row um going out of their way to aggressively antagonize the fan base and call them Well, the T word and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff that if if I was in charge of that company, I would have fired them immediately. But they obviously kept their jobs and there was just so much going wrong, not only with um, the new THQ, but with all these other different studios that just were not producing at that level. Of course, you had Marvel's Avengers, which I, I believe was put out by Crystal Dynamics and they tried for the whole games as a service thing it didn't do anywhere near as good as guardians of the galaxy because guardians of the galaxy was more focused on single player. A lot of the problem comes from management and it's like, there's a separation between what management thinks gamers want and what the gamers actually want. And until they, until they bridge that and really say, Hey, you know what? We have a problem. We need to figure out what they actually want, not what we assume they want. You're going to see issues like this with these huge publishers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and Jamie, do you think it's a, a case of too big, too fast?
1: Yeah, maybe too
2: ambitious. Like, I know, because they, 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 there was a lot said about them when they brought on the. They got Tomb Raider, massive IP, wouldn't they? Yeah, so,
0: and Lord of the Rings. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, well, of course. Was it Embracer that brought out Gollum then? Did they publish? Like, did they have anything to do with Gollum, or was that completely different? Because um, I know that they uh, are. Sure, actually. I know that there there was something they'd they'd made a comment about how they basically want to turn Lord of the Rings into this massive and I was thought that can't possibly be the same studio that just put out that shambles of a game.
0: Um well, I've, no, I've, because it was um Daedalic who Daedalic
2: Interactive or something, eh, Daedalic, yeah. I?
0: And they published it themselves
2: self-published because uh, yeah. the thing is, is it's so hard to track who's got what rights so with the token estate yeah. nowadays um, I'm trying to see what, what Embracer actually have because like you say they've got so many IPs and so many studios I think they've got something like, I'm reading here about 76 studios is it or something
0: 138 oh, wow yeah. right okay bloody hell yeah 138 in total which is just insane I mean-
2: it's not sustainable, as you say, when you when you take it like subsidiaries. There, THQ, not Gearbox Studios, Crystal Dynamics. Yeah. I mean, they're they're huge. They're going to have yeah. all their own infrastructure in place as well. You, you, nah, there was something a bit dodgy about that at the start. Um, so I think yeah, um, maybe no surprises, but hopefully some good people who have maybe lost their jobs can pick up some good ones in the industry still. Yeah,
1: yeah. I do want well, to say I do want to say that I think it, it would be sustainable. With it being that big, but you would need something called project management professionals Mm -hmm. because basically their whole job is managing and micromanaging. And it's like you have senior project managers at the top, you have general project managers in the middle, you have assistant project managers below them. They actually go to college for this, they actually have to get certified for this. And it's basically them anticipating what could happen, them having contingency plans in place, and them making sure that the workload is balanced and that duties are delegated to who it needs to go to not some people trying to wing it and they're not necessarily um qualified to do it but they're like i'm going to try it's like no with project management firms coming in they would say you don't know how to do this so you're not going to touch it here's what you're going to do because this is what you're trained and experienced to do i think if they had project management firms that they owned working with these studios, they actually would be able to balance all these projects, but it's all about that balance and they just don't have it.
0: Yep. I think it's a great point. Yep. Moving on. In terms of potentially getting bigger in the gaming industry, Netflix have made some interesting strides. Now, this story is kind of in two parts. The first part was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Santa Monica Studios art director, Raph Grissetti, announced he was leaving the studio after more than a decade at Sony. And he was joining Netflix to co-create a brand new original IP. Netflix now have been making big moves in the gaming of late. They do obviously have to have the streaming service already. But the studio Grissetti has joined. It's headed by former Overwatch executive producer Chaco Sony and Halo veteran Joseph Staten, obviously who left Microsoft a few months ago. Um interestingly though, Raf has been trending in the last week as a comments made on the Flow Games podcast recently. He said, and I quote, Sony demands at least a ninety metacritic score from its major studios, and that Sony doesn't rush its studios, and devs are free to ask for more time if needed. And he followed this up by saying, This is why we see huge quality of games from Sony over the years. Expectations are set high, and that's good in my opinion. So I was th- I thought this story was quite interesting, obviously in two parts. One is, you know, should we start taking Netflix seriously? And secondly, I saw a little bit of discourse about this Sony demands a 90 Metacritic score. Now, Jamie, I don't know about you, but I don't take that as don't get a 90 and we're putting a gun to your head and you're sat. I see that as we've set a level of expectations, what our customers expect for charging them 70 quid. People who buy PlayStation 5s, you buy AAA first party, expect that level, and that should be a target of what we should be looking to achieve. That doesn't mean if you hit an 86 or an 87, that's it, it's pulled from you. We don't expect much less, but I feel as though this sort of 90 was taken a little bit out of context. Um, yourself, out of context you on the internet? Surely not. Aye, surely um, not. <laughs> who would have thought? I think
2: it's a really interesting one, that, because obviously Sony, are, Sony have got these Heightened expectations, of, like you say, of what their game, what their audience expect from a triple A seventy quid experience, like game. I don't think there's anything wrong with them saying that as maybe a not even. I don't. I hate to use the word target, but mm. it's like a preference. That's what we're aiming for is a ninety Metacritic, which is obviously a dangerous bloody game to play anyway because Metacritic scores are a bit iffy now and again, you know. Yeah, um, But like. Because game reviews are totally subjective, I so it's it's an interesting one. I like I like it in a certain way because then it shows that they're serious about the kind of quality they want to deliver. Yeah. Um, I don't take it too seriously in the sense that they're going to get taken out of the back and shot if they don't. If you know, we're not going to Which see is a, how
0: people took it, wasn't it? You know,
2: well, I think a lot of people maybe. I, I mean, I, I never saw much of the discourse personally. I wasn't really paying much attention to it. But there's that whole, still that whole narrative about sony's bend studio you remember like days mm-hmm. gone which is actually arguably like been i think a lot of people felt that was fairly untreat like treated unfairly in terms of the review scores a lot of people mm-hmm. feel that it was much better than i think it was, like a, a high, was it maybe a high 60s on
0: metacritic i'm not yeah, looking early, at early 70s anyway yeah, uh, it wasn't much higher
2: it it didn't allegedly didn't have that that sony Polish that you would expect a a Sony game to have, and I think a lot of people then turned around and blamed Ben Studio for that. And I know there was people came out that they would work after it and were quite critical of them, like again the management of the game and the studio and stuff like that. Yeah, and and Ben kind of got a bad rep for
0: that one particular game, and it killed Um, it it killed any potential sequels, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Which is a shame because it was a good game. It's Um, a cracking game. Yeah, with the update and stuff, it's a really good game Mm -hmm. now.
2: Um, (laughs) Excuse me, and um. So, yeah, but that's that discourse. That, that's that sort of narrative that, well, that game didn't perform critically and maybe as well as things like Spider-Man Last of Us 2 and all those kind of games. So maybe there is something in that whole, well, if you didn't get a 90, you're off projects kind of thing.
0: Yep. Yeah. And Sentinel, I mean, you know, I don't know if you've got anything to add to that or um, your thoughts on kind of the potential rise of Netflix. You know, but obviously we know that Amazon as well are are, are dipping their toes in Personally, I'm still waiting for Apple to really make moves. They're sitting for me. I feel you know A- Apple make the third. I'm sure it's the third most revenue from gaming, obviously because of go, because of mobile revenue. People forget that you know just because it's not console. I feel Amazon, Amazon, Apple are just sitting back in the shadows and just slowly assessing what's going on. But you know, listen, Netflix. That's you know that's three big names they've brought. I mean, for for Raft to leave Santa Monica that's your God of War art director there, you know? That's, that's not yeah. a lowly employee, you know?
1: I, I don't think Netflix is going to secure the hardcore crowd, but I think there are going to be casuals that are already watching Netflix for their favorite television series. And if they see games on there, they're going to be interested. I think there is a market there, obviously. Um, if I was one of the big three, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, it's like you you acknowledge that they're there and they're... A competition of sorts, but they're not anywhere near what Microsoft, Nintendo, or PlayStation are. So they're not a significant threat, so to speak.
2: I mean, Amazon Amazon threw a fair bit of money at New World when that was in development, and New World came out with some good ideas. It just didn't kind of land, I think, in the way that a lot of people wanted. And I mean, that was quite ambitious for Amazon's first big, big AAA game was an MMO um it depend i think i think you're right with what you're saying they're saying so, you no know, like. there's loads of like it depends on the strategy and it depends on how ambitious netflix want to be
1: yeah yeah definitely you know and with um with playstation with the 90 um it's like is is it likely that they're going to fire you if your game doesn't hit a 90 no but they could have an after action report where they're like hey listen this is what we could have done better It's probably just internal development, um, you know, your quarterly review or whatever they have internally to help their employees become better. Because not every game is going to be a 90 or above. But I actually think that PlayStation has the right mentality as far as how they develop their games. Because they say, we're striving for 90, number one. If you need more time, let us know. And if you need more money, let us know. You know, I cannot see a game like Redfall releasing on Xbox, or I mean on PlayStation, it released on Xbox because they're like, hey, we got to get it out, we got to get it out, yeah. you know, so we can possibly get the studio onto something else, and it just feels like it would not have released in such a state under PlayStation management, I agree. that's just my take on it, you know?
0: Yeah, I, no, I, I agree with that fully, that... Like I said, we, we've been a long time from any first party really disappointing. You know, yeah. I, I can think of a couple and certainly nothing really within this gen and the end of, or the latter of the last gen. Days Gone, for me, is the exception to the rule.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I, yeah,
0: I, I think I think the time and investment that goes into games now, whether you agree, whether you've got reservations about that, you know, that's a whole other topic. Um Yeah i just I, I i don't there's too much at stake
1: well and that it go. it's it's two things that adversely affect that it's the management's um efficiency number one and number two it all goes down to money because whether you have to hire new people or you have to pay for like unreal engine 5 rather than using an in-house engine all of that's about money and with a lot of these studios it's like if you hire more people You have to have facilities where they can work and then you have to have additional managers to oversee that. So it all comes down to money. And I know Microsoft is backing Xbox, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like they're backing them in the same way that Sony's backing PlayStation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, Next up, people like myself will be delighted to hear this. But PlayStation and Kojima Productions have announced an upcoming documentary called Hideo Kojima. Connected Worlds. Featuring contributions from the likes of Guillermo del Toro and George Miller, it promises to take viewers on a journey into the creative mind of the famed Japanese game designer. The announcement goes on to say, widely regarded as the first auteur of video games, this vig- this visually captivating documentary gives a rare insight into Hideo Kojima's creative process as he launches his own independent studio. Even that reads as just he's wrote that himself, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> that entire thing just reeks of Hideo Kojima. <laughs> nah, um, Jeff Cayley wrote it. Oh <laughs> yes. Good shout, mate. Good shout. In case you've been living under a rock, Hideo Kojima started his career in 1986 at Konami, where he designed the original Metal Gear in 1987 for the MSX2, laying the foundations for stealth genre of video games across the world. He went on to spend more than 30 years at Konami, producing several acclaimed Metal Gear Solid games, as well as the mech title Zone of the Enders, plus adventure games Snatcher and Police Knots. After splitting from Konami in 2015, he reformed Kojima Productions as an independent studio backed by Sony, the debut game being 2019's Death Stranding. Kojima Productions is currently working on the sequel to Death Stranding, Death Stranding 2, working title, and a Mystery Cloud project with Xbox, which could be horror title overdose, should rumours be true. Gents, are we we Kojima-san fans? Are we excited about this? Or not at all?
2: I think it'll be an interesting watch. Um, I... Because I'll be interested to hear things like what other folk in the industry have to say about. Obviously, they're gonna, they're not gonna come on and say, "Ah, oh, he's a prick," but <laughs> like, but like, it would still be nice to kind of get a get an overview of him because I don't I don't actually know all that much about him. My, yeah. experience, my experience of his games, I mean, I, I know I've mentioned it in the Discord, the Metal Gear Solid games kind of passed me by a little bit. Um, I was absolutely gutted when Silent Hill was got canned by Konami. Because P, obviously PT is legendary in terms of what it did, and a, and a Kojima Del Toro horror would have been absolutely fantastic in my opinion. Yeah, um, Death Stranding I enjoyed, but I found it a little bit. I find a lot of I find a lot of Kojima stuff pretentious, in my opinion.
0: You, what um, you're saying here you watch what you're saying pal i will i will press the quit studio button right now
2: it's all right you know surely you want it. people on a debate you know, you know I, get I, it, um, I get it
0: but the one thing you can't do on my podcast is insult their standing okay <laughs> <laughs>
2: um no i mean it's a, it's a stunning again a stunning game graphic like technologically it's a cracking looking game like um and i i want to go back to it and i'm excited to see what they do with the sequel um mm-hmm. And for for me, Kojima's definitely in in that bracket of people when you look at the gaming industry, you've got Kojima. You know, people who like defined industry, like John Carmack did with with Ed, um, Peter Molyneux and all that. Um, Yeah, Kojima's definitely up there, whether you like him or hate him.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. There's no no denying that. And Sentinel yourself?
1: Um, While I think some of... Hideo Kojima's stuff in his games is completely convoluted, and it makes absolutely no sense. He's as much of an artist as he is a gaming personality, so it com- it just makes sense, you know. Um, and my only regret is that with this documentary, it's unlikely they're going to tell the truth about the clash he had with Konami, because it got pretty bad. And, I mean, those of us that were in the gaming community that saw it, how they how they would not let him accept his award... At the gaming yeah. awards um it was just ridiculous and it, yeah. it's kind of like the only way to really do right by hideo kojima would be to tell the truth about that but of course konami would sue them so they're not going to do that and that's unfortunate
0: be interesting to know obviously you know we, we don't know japanese law but interested to know how long the nd because often ndas are 10 years aren't they you know i, yeah. I often see on on things like uh, reddit it's usually things like oh anyone who's appeared on a reality show tell us your your experiences people say well my nda ran out last week so i can and of course some of the stories you're like "Fuck every one of these shows is bullshit because they have to wait 10 years so it's interesting yeah. to know if there's anything like that or listen maybe he never will maybe he's so over it now that he'll never even bother even if the nda runs out but you're right that it's such an interesting story and there's so many rumors or so many stories and not many people know you know there's a handful of people who who can really Verify other than people, you know, sort of filling in blanks and, and filling in little nuggets of information, you know. But yeah, yeah that's the only thing. You're right because you know, listen, we we all we all love the dodgy details, don't we? We all have a bit of gossip, yeah. And it'd be good yeah. to get that. But yeah, I think getting an insight into his mind, his, his podcast that he did was good. I enjoyed it. There was sometimes a little bit too much fluff with some of the guests, a little bit too much Jeff for my liking, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which didn't help either. <laughs> You know, and we'll come on to Jeffrey by listen, we'll talk about him later on, but did, the guy did a good job last week because we've got, we've got to give him credit, but a little bit too much of him in the podcast. So, ah, listen, I, I think this will be an interesting series. Uh, I think, I think a lot of people will, um, maybe appreciate what he's, what he's done and achieved and what his, what yeah. his process is as well. Because some of the things he thinks about are fucking mental. Like, how do you come yes. up with this stuff? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, people who come up with this stuff usually take a lot of acid. You know? Yeah, something, yeah, or a, or, definitely. Yeah. Or a bit like Nick Cage on stage last week, a lot of cocaine. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. oh, a fuck ton of cocaine. Now you've got some ideas. So.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <sighs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, he was having a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, Wasn't he just? Yeah. And we were having fun watching him. Yeah. Drugs are bad, kids. Drugs are bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, in the last week, we put some good news for PC players. My man Couchy on our Discord will be delighted at this, and that is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. is getting a PC port on the 26th of July. And it'll be available on both Epic Store and Steam. Players who pre-order will get the Pixelizer weapon and the Carbonix armor set. The even better news about this is PC players will be happy to know the port of Rift Apart is being handled by Nixes. On the PlayStation blog, they offered some insight into what players could expect including ray tracing, multi-aspect ratios for widescreen, unlocked frame rates, full dual-sense effects for the real nerds, mouse and keyboard support, with customizable controls, which I'm sure a few years will like. Released in July 2021, Ratchet & Rift Apart sold 1 million copies in its first month and went on to have critical success, picking up numerous Game of the Year nominations across many categories, including Best Game, Best Art Direction, and winning four awards at the DICE Awards. Gents, I don't think you either use a PC, players, but did you enjoy Rift Apart? Was it a game you used play, Jamie yourself? Um, I've not. I've, I've missed the boat with this one. Um,
2: okay. I am. I am going to play it because obviously it's available on the. Store now, into it? um, well, PS Plus, yeah, yeah. PlayStation Plus. Um, and I am going to play it because I do enjoy the ratchet games. There's just been so many other things that came along. This this was the game that was famously only capable of being played on the PS5 because of its super fast SSD. You know? <laughs> oh, he went there, he went um, there. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
0: it's um, a PlayStation podcast, you
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, No, no, and, and, and you know what? Um, it's, it's testament that the PlayStation 5 was so powerful it's only taken now to 2023 for PCs to catch up. There you
0: go. Good (laughs) stuff, bro. Good stuff, I like it.
2: I like it. I know. I think it's great that it's coming to play. play. It's It's another kind of game in a... I know, Sony games, you know, third-person action-adventure games, aren't they? But it's yet another first-party game. Nexus are a fantastic internal studio. This is why they were brought in. Yeah, to bring these games across, um, and again, it can only do wonders for people who will pick this up on PC, and they'll maybe be thinking to themselves, hmm, "What else am I missing out on?" And maybe run out and buy a PS Five. Yeah, that's yeah. what Jim Ryan told me to say before the pod. <laughs> uh, all right.
0: Yeah, yeah and yourself,
2: Sentinel.
1: Yeah i um I played it through the PlayStation Plus Premium as soon as it came to the service. Pretty much, I downloaded it that day. I played it. Um, I enjoyed it so much. I actually put out a YouTube video on it because I was, I was just, you know, it's like, unless you play it, you don't really see how great it is. Yes. And, um, it's like, I have played some of the Ratchet and Clank games before nothing too serious. This game was absolutely a blast to play and it was very fast paced. I still kind of, I still don't really believe that, um, the transitioning between the different areas is entirely different from what we saw in Titanfall 2. But Titanfall 2 was, a mu- according to what I've seen, Titanfall 2 was a much higher budget title because it was made by EA and it's, you know, a longer game. Um, so it's extremely similar, so much so that maybe it would take someone like Digital Foundry to say, hey, this is why it's not like Titanfall 2 in those transition parts. But that's not really taking anything away from the game because the game itself is a blast. It's phenomenal. Um, it's very fast paced. I love the art direction. And the combat is truly satisfying. You know, it's one of the greatest, uh, if not the greatest, PlayStation Five games I've played so far. Wow, wow, that's yeah. um, that's,
0: that's glowing praise. I I I love the game, and I downloaded it at the weekend. But I had my I had my kids at the weekend, and my boy who's seven, he's getting to that age now where he's loving that. I'm just giving him the PlayStation controller, uh, yeah. and and he he put a lot of hours in the weekend. Actually, uh, he was loving it. He's at that age now where. He can play it. I've got it on story mode for him, obviously, because eh, there's times it's not that easy, you know. Um, yeah, it's such yeah. a great game, and it looks stunning. Um, and it's good, you know, and it ties in with what Jim Ryan said about the whole, you know, eighteen months, two years to PC. It's yeah. um, it, it ties in with all that, and and I think for me, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of chatter about you know the, the PC thing and the ports and should they come earlier. Personally, I think this is good. This is a good time scale, but. See, to be honest with you, see if PC players got it earlier. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it doesn't bother yeah. me that much. I think I, I, a lot of people make out a, a lot a big deal. That oh no, they they shouldn't get these games any earlier. Yeah, really, really. Is, it, that, it is that how picky we're really getting? Yeah, is that how picky really we're getting? But wasn't Herman think, was maybe,
2: Herman House uh, Herman Hulst was? Um, were they not given sort of death threats when the original Horizon was announced to being... I'm sure there was a lot of yeah. Discourse I heard about that when, too. The yeah. first, the first PC port, which I think was Horizon. Um, it was Herman Hulst, I'm sure Hulst or however you pronounce it. That that, that that's my pure Dutch coming out. That um, <laughs> announced it, and they they got absolutely annihilated for it. And I think it's yeah. it is that tribal that that extremist trick because I know we're all ponies here, but um, people who go to bed and sleep with their plastic box, you know, like me, that, that were getting well. Um, that we're getting a little bit over the top with it. Wow. Um,
1: well, I think you got that from PlayStation because they were used to their games being only on PlayStation consoles. Yeah. You know, Xbox did away with it. Um, Xbox actually did away with it last generation, but mm-hmm. I think they didn't get as much as much you know back talk from the community about it because the community was just glad that Xbox was being saved from death's clutches because that's where it was last generation. Yep. You know, and with PlayStation being in such a good position, I think a lot of PlayStation gamers were like, why, you know, Mm -hmm. but I mean, again, ultimately, it doesn't matter. I would say if your PlayStation exclusives aren't ending up on Xbox and vice versa, it's fine because the PC crowd has like 10,000 games that come out every single year anyway. So they're getting all kinds of stuff that PlayStation and Xbox gamers aren't. Uh But it's like they I, I don't think PlayStation gamers should really worry too much about it. You're still getting it first.
0: Yep. And the thing as well is, is that looking at the bigger picture and and listen, you know, I'm not a shareholder. I don't know, you know, you guys who aren't shareholders, but I I still think looking at finances is important because as much as I'm anti-capitalist, right? But at the end of the day, I'm a gamer. And I want this, I want the the thing that I'm passionate about while we're sitting here on a hot Wednesday night talking about it because we're obviously passionate about it. And ultimately, the money these companies make fuel our games yes they fuel shareholders yes they've all got fancy houses because of us absolutely <laughs> At the end of the day you can live your life in a hut if you want right but ultimately these companies making money making profit on games adds to budget of games you know and i think this year you know sony's target i'm sure was 150 million dollars this year i think they wanted to make off of pc gaming again give yeah. or take that's a games budget you know god of war ragnarok cost 200 million dollars to make that's yeah. that's great in one year from putting games to pc they've paid for a ragnarok in one year so nice. putting things into perspective do you really want to complain nah i think guys come on it helps bring us great AAA games or you know great live service games <laughs> <laughs> depending on your uh on your persuasion yeah. there right <laughs> and uh, lastly news tonight or three days ago depending on when you're listening to this PlayStation announced not only their June PS Plus games, but an exciting cloud gaming update. Firstly, the new games for June on your PS Plus subscription, Far Cry 6, Shredder's Revenge, Rogue Legacy 2, Inscription, Solstice, Tacoma, and Deus Ex Mankind Divided and Killing Floor. More interesting though is the update to cloud gaming. The PlayStation Blog reads, First off, we have very exciting news for PlayStation Plus Premium members. We're currently testing cloud streaming for supported PS5 games. This includes PS5 titles from the PS Plus games catalog and game trials, as well as supported digital PS5 titles at players own. When this, fe- when this feature launches, cloud game streaming for supported PS5 titles will be available for use directly over your PS5 console. That means as a premium member, it's easier to jump into your favourite games without downloading them first on your PS5 console. Our goal is to add this as an additional benefit to PS Plus Premium as part of our ongoing efforts to enhance the value of PlayStation Plus. So, a couple of points really there. First of all, I think the games they're adding are great. Far Cry 6 is really good, by the way, and Shredder's Revenge is awesome and including a few others. But I think the cloud thing's very interesting. The timing's not a coincidence. Because of Project Q due out later this year. So that's all tying in with that. But I think as well there's been excuse me, there's been quite a bit of discourse between what PS Plus premium members actually get for their money. It's no it's no secret that PS plus extra is the better value for money. I don't think anyone can deny that. So adding this as a premium feature only. I think it's a good thing for the for the premium section. Not great for extra users, but ultimately, I, I, you know, I'm on premium. I I don't get my money's worth with PS Plus on premium. I really don't. If I had it on extra, I would. So for me, I see this as a positive, and it's definitely, obviously, you know, PlayStation pushing into the uh, into the future of cloud gaming, which we all know is um, is is growing rapidly. Um, thoughts on this one, uh, Sentinel?
1: You know, I think it's good that they're implementing this, especially since, um, you know, you have some of these AAA games that are huge. You look at the Call of Duty games that are big, and you only have so much space on these hard drives. So, giving them the option where you don't have to necessarily download the entire game, you can just live stream it. You know, Uh, you can stream it through the PlayStation Plus service. That's great. You know, that's a great option to have. And I think, um, because I know... I know Xbox did this as well. A lot of people love it over there. I think the PlayStation crowd is going to enjoy it as well, just because it basically saves you time. And if you have a good internet connection, it's a great way to go, especially if you don't plan on playing this game more than once. You know, you, you, you see a game that you want to play, you can immediately stream it from PlayStation Plus, start playing right away. That's definitely a great move. And it saves a lot of people time, especially when you don't have a lot of time in your day you know for gaming you get home from work and you don't have time to download a game over 3 or 4 hours you can just sit right down pick a game that you want to play and start streaming yeah
0: yeah i think as well i don't know i don't know how much they've invested in the cloud infrastructure and software in the last couple of years yeah i've never used ps now to stream properly but I've tried streaming PS3 games and it's yeah. fucking awful. Like it's it's unplayable stuff.
1: I know it's, they did mention they were working with the Azure, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to know behind the scenes, because obviously it's not launching yet. It's launching yeah. you know, imminently. It's coming and it'll, yeah. obviously it'll be in beta stage. But I'm hoping it's just not what we've got now, but just adding PS5 games because that's going to be Atrocious! Yeah. I don't see any benefit of that at all. So I'm curious to see what's changed, um, and I'm sure also we'll get more information soon. Don't know, Jamie. Have you have you tried yeah, no, streaming I, the PS now? Have you?
2: I've done some. I like you. I've I've streamed. Um, I took a hanker. I like kind of like what you know what, what you touched upon there. Saying, I, "I took a hanker to play the original Red Dead," and I streamed that. It might even have been on my PS4. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but. Um, Ended up streaming that, and and because that was an Xbox, it was a, sorry an Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty game. It was a PS Three game, and it was a Seven Twenty P resolution. Didn't actually look too bad, in my opinion. Um, but it, I, I would be really curious to see what resolution are they planning on streaming games, sort of PS Five. When you consider these games are supposedly meant to be Four K games, mm-hmm. are they going to downscale the graphics to like? Are they going to? Is it going to be a Ten Eighty P stream, to not? Because you've got a factor in as well that ten that that would not to talk about frames too much, but frame rate. You know some of these games. You know some of these games. Are you going to be streaming a game at sixty frames per second? You know, are they going to lock you out of performance modes in certain games in, or- in order to manage that bandwidth? Who knows? A lot's to come. I do think it's a good thing for Project Q. Um, or Q Lite. Well, Project Project Q
0: or yeah, Q Lite. Project Q is 1080, 60 which right. is perfect. By the way, you know, listen, we're going to oh, come aye, on the frame rates yeah, yeah. later. You know, and ended and mean Sentinel said this before you jumped on, Jamie. 1080 60 is better than 4k 30 and so if what we're going to get on this is 1080 60 particularly on on the handheld that's absolutely fine and see if there's minimal latency and see if it if if there's no kind of stuttering and it's pretty smooth fucking right you that's that that is not a bad thing because then day, more convenience but see the amount of people that tell me that they sit at night on their living room with some sort of handheld playing now, i've done bits and bobs you know what i mean I've, I've got the game sir don't do a huge amount of it um but if you've got that particularly with with big games and it works well that's cannot be a bad thing but i'm just skeptical i'm skeptical of the tech because i know how bad it is in the moment and we've heard nothing yeah. about improvement so that for me is the key thing is how much it's changed in what we have and what they've been doing for the last two three years mm-hmm.
2: No, I think it's fair points, but but what what Sentinel saying about you know downloads and if you you know don't have time to wait two three hours or four hours depending on the game. I mean, look at the size of Call of Duty now. What is it, about two hundred gig or something ridiculous? That, you know, it's it's stupid size. And if you just want to jump in and play it, if you've uninstalled it, you take a hanker and playing some games, then fine, just fire it up on the cloud.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed and that is it for the news um so let's talk about what we've been playing and Sentinel i'm going to come to you first because you've not been playing diablo for some reason yeah yeah but you have been playing need for speed uh talk to us about it yeah
1: um yeah i when when i first had a ps3 I would play Need for Speed Hot Pursuit all the time. Me and several of my friends were always trying to beat each other's scores. And, um, you know, since they made the Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered, I'm doing the same thing again, but with a lot more people because, um, you know, thanks to Twitter – um i have a lot of people that i follow on both playstation and xbox and so i've been constantly trying to beat people's scores some of them aren't bad some of them are absolutely crazy with how fast they're beating tracks or taking down bad guys or you know the other stuff you have to do in game but um it's been a lot of fun you know because it um gives me a chance to refine my skills and um you know just get ready for forza that's uh right around the corner you know so nice. It's it's improving my skills, you know. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely looking forward to um, Forza and the, uh, the the crew game coming up. Both yeah. of those.
0: Yeah, I think you know, like I didn't really appreciate how big a game the crew was. I think yeah. when it comes to you know when it comes to arcade racers, the, your immediate thought is Need for Speed, obviously, and obviously we then go to Forza Horizon, which is an incredible game. Um, yeah. But people always forget that the crew sold over 20 million copies this is not oh, yeah. this is not some little game sit in the background it's a big ass game of course ubisoft yeah. showed that off at the showcase this week must admit really disappointed that we saw no gameplay everything was just yeah. in in-game engine stuff it's like we want to see actual race I- i'm thinking what have you got to hide here you know um that was a little bit disappointing for me but i think listen i think the crew could be uh, could be a cracking game coming up no obviously listen forza oh, yeah. motorsport is is going to have its market um it's going to yeah. be huge for that sim market anyway but i suppose for you it's kind of feeding that hunger until they come out
1: yes and i guess my only regret is that uh, if playstation is working on twisted metal which is like the last part of that racing trifecta that it's not being it's not being announced yet unfortunately
0: yeah, yeah, it's um, sadly not. Um, yeah, I don't know. The thing is, again, has there been any actual confirmation, or is it just rumor? As
1: far as I know, it's just rumors.
0: Yeah, I I don't recall ever seeing anything official. I think we've just assumed um,
1: because they yeah. were putting together the TV show.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I seem to remember. I'm sure I saw some... I'm sure it's with a developer's LinkedIn or something that heavily suggested... I think that's where the stories have came from, but... I was, would buy uh, that
1: $70 day one, no question Would you really? I'd say, yes.
0: I don't have, m- like, much great memories of, twi- like, anything. Like, people speak about Twisted Metal, like, it's this great thing. I'm like, all right. It well, kind of I mean, the last me. one was,
1: like, early PS3, so it's been about, what, 10 or 15 years. It's been years. a minute, Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But listen, you know, um, I think the TV show looks hot shit. I'm not going to lie. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. this looks fucking awful, by the way. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, I thought the clip that was shown looks awful. And I like Anthony yeah, I Mackey as well, you know. And I think Will Arnett is hilarious. Yeah. I know he's doing the voice. Will Arnett's hilarious and everything. But I'm like, what is this? It looked like a parody. It looked look like yeah. a Saturday night. Saturday um, Live, yeah. Saturday night Live <laughs> sketch, didn't it?
1: Yeah yeah it, it was disappointing but the game i think because I, I look at games like mad max where there was vehicle combat that was done really well and i'm like playstation could do that in twisted metal yeah they absolutely could
0: yeah indeed indeed and jamie me and you buddy we've been playing a hell of a lot of diablo 4 and obviously, this news, they they announced that they've uh, generated $666 million, which is... I see what they did there. You see what they did there. Very clever. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> Insane. Just, you know what? I've, a little background for me, before, before I let you take it away, Jamie, is that I, I played Diablo 1 on my dad's PC. I want to say I was 11, 12 years old. And I remember not having a fucking clue what was going on. This is like late nineties, give or take. Just like I'm, just like what is this? I didn't understand it. Far too young to get a game like that. And I've never, ever, ever in my life thought about Diablo Four until hmm. until, the, until the clips came out at the start of the year, sort of hinting towards the beta. And I was like, oh, what is this? Blitz the betas, blitz the the server slam. And just fell in love with this game that i knew was getting this and since getting it earlier I, I bought the upgraded version to get it day one or or day minus three you could call it and i've just been obsessed ever since this game is unbelievably good i never thought i'd say that i'm not even i'm not even i'm not even an, an, an action rpg fan i don't play these types of games but i'm loving it i'm i, I love the, the the visuals i love the performance i love the design combat is so good there's a couple of things i'm not quite convinced with about the about the leveling and the gear but i think that will be addressed later on the the co-op you know like playing with different people like yourself and and tamar discord ben from grumpy gamers and just the way it all works the fact that you know me and ben are ahead of all you guys but i can play with yous or fluffers Mm -hmm. who's a little bit behind can play with him and it doesn't hinder anybody it just works Mm -hmm. And it's so good. And I'm just, like, blown away by just how much I'm enjoying Diablo 4.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with that. Um, a bit like yourself, I missed, I skipped Diablo's 1 to th- one to 4, <laughs> 1 to 3. Um, I was a massive World of Warcraft, and I was a massive Warcraft fan. So Warcraft 2 and Diablo 1, I think, must have came out roughly about the same time. Maybe Diablo was in between Warcraft 1 and 2, I can't remember. And I was always more of a real-time strategy fan. So for me, Diablo didn't interest me, but like yourself, um, I'd seen it, wasn't really all that bothered about it, <clears throat> um, played similar action RPGs with a, with a mate on his PC, because I, I couldn't afford a PC back then, my parents were skin. Um So he was always the cool guy that had all the cool games, and... um. Yeah, I just never got into Diablo. As I say, I was more the RTS fan, then moved on to World of Warcraft, missed just completely missed it. My mate got me into tried to get me into Diablo Immortal, wasn't a blown away, tried the Diablo three trial, wasn't a blown away. So it's amazing to think now you like, that I'm so fucking addicted to Diablo four considering how much I'd written off the this the 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 IP beforehand, like the franchise. Um and I think a long way of that goes to the fact that they've made it open world. They've made it open world, but they've made it the co-op. They've made it this live service, really, haven't they? And for all the hate that live service games get, they've done it really well. Like you say, you guys are way ahead of us. Like, so I'm level 38. But you could come back and help me and still get something out of it. So many of these types of games will do something with the level scaling so that it either makes... The enemies OP for me, or they make them squidgy for you, and it's just a, you're basically carrying me through the missions. Whereas at this, the way they've done it, it's still a challenge for me.
0: Yep, and me as well, and, it's, it, and it's,
2: you, yeah, because the level, yeah. yeah. So it, it, just like you say: the level design, the cutscenes, the performance. The it's for me. I said I touched upon it last night when I was playing with you. was the atmosphere of the game creates, and I completed. I'm not going to obviously go into stories, spoilers, or any of that here, but. I completed one of the acts yesterday and the story properly ramped up, I felt. And the, you're start, I'm starting to feel like I'm investing in the characters a little bit as well now, um, which I really didn't expect from a game like this. Um, but that's probably my naivety because I've never played a Diablo game before. So, yeah, I mean, can't fault it. It's scratching an itch that I've had for ages. And I'm delighted I picked it up. And I probably wouldn't have bought it had it not been for the Discord. Yes, um, a
0: few guys said that, yeah. Yeah. Had Which it is cool. For,
2: yeah. Because I know, I mean, I've got my mates, a couple of mates that I was um, friendly from my Destiny clan days. They, they're picking it up. So I knew I would have people to play with, but knowing I've got them and I've got you guys and all that, it's just knowing you've got people you can jump into games with is pretty handy, like, for Jamie and mates.
1: For <laughs> Jamie
2: <laughs> But apart from that, I've also been playing uh, Walkabout Golf, um, I'm clearly easily led cuz Craig has been talking about that for a bit he he did his interview with the devs and it's been a game I've been looking forward to picking up on VR and I picked that up and it's a lot of fun as well um so PSVR 2 version of Walkabout Golf it's just so much fun <laughs> good um and it's a good game you can just boot up play for maybe half an hour and put down again no stress whatsoever just great chilled out game
0: Fab, yeah. No, listen, Craig. Obviously, he's he's been loving it. And um, anyone was, if anyone's interested, um, on the Pure Dead Gaming YouTube channel, Craig actually did a, did a round of golf with the devs of Walkabout. So the um, the, the videos, in fact, is it YouTube or Twitch? Check out both. I can't remember, we did it on Twitch or YouTube. I think he
2: moved, yeah, the go Vod's, to both. It doesn't is, matter. Vod is on Twitch, but yeah, he's, he's, I think he's uploaded the Vod. Yeah, the Twitch. Check on both.
0: <laughs> Get those clicks in. Um, yeah, no, Ooh. listen, I. I can see me playing Diablo 4 for a long time. I, I I feel as though this is a what's been called a forever game, in that you have to play it every day, but you'll play this regularly, particularly if the season content is good. That's a that's a key thing. You know, and it's it's got to have that longevity, that live service longevity. And I think, you know, like people people see live servers as a negative, and a lot of people do. And not every live service is the game. I personally, I used to think live service meant battle royale. I used to think a live service game was Fortnite, and that's not the case, you know. And I think people are going to get a shock, a rude awakening, and some surprises and some, I suppose, excitement out of all these live service games that, that, that PlayStation are bringing out. There's going to be there's going to be ev- something for everyone. Herman Hulse has said that. And I think, I, I think over the next few years, you'll see certainly a pendulum shift in attitude, you know, Craig, you know, obviously, the, um you know, Craig's one of the one first to say he hates co-op, cannot stand co-op. See if he played Diablo 4, I think he'd enjoy playing with someone because it's still single player. You just got someone beside you helping you and having fun. Yeah, it's still, what you're doing is still single player. And I think that's quite unique.
2: Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a cracking example of a games as a service done right so far, in my opinion. Yeah. Games like the Avengers. <laughs> um, <laughs> that. <laughs> that's, yeah. And
1: yeah. but You know, you I feel like, I feel like after that, um, remember the BlizzCon event where the guy was standing up on stage and everybody thought he was going to announce Diablo four. And then it's some Diablo phone yeah. game. And he said, don't you guys have phones? And that, the, it's like, the backlash they got from that was so severe that they knew when they finally released Diablo four, it had to be on fire. They knew it. Yeah.
2: That was a mortal. Immortal got absolutely, I'm sure there was audible booze in the, in the studio, yeah. in the audience when it was announced. <laughs> it. It was a, oh yeah. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was a toxic environment. I think they called it, um, Diablo Immortal. I actually played it. I didn't play it on phone. I played it on PC. And, yeah. It was definitely, compared to what I'm playing now with Diablo 4, um, Immortals, a stripped-back version. It's okay, but it's got slightly more cartoony graphics, obviously, because it's to run on mobile devices. Yeah. Um, it's okay, but it's not what we've got here with Diablo 4. Like,
0: But it's free to play as well. And but it's free to play. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. You've got to expect a downgrade. We've, we've paid 70, 80 quid for this. You know, I'm expecting, yeah. and I have to say, I'm not... like. See see the see the dungeon designs and how beautiful they are and they're almost like mm. handcrafted. Like every time I go to a new A or a new dungeon, I'm blown away by how good it looks. And again, you, I would have told you if you had told me this would be one of the best looking games I've seen, and I'd have laughed at you going, Fuck off. You heard of Horizon? You know? But a top down <laughs> yeah. isometric game can be stunning in in this day and age. And yeah, just I have to say, I cannot Cannot recommend it highly. Um, and
2: apparently there's more visual upgrades coming. Really? Allegedly. Wow. Wow. Um, I watched a, wee bit, a little bit of the digital foundry breakdown of the console uh, versus PC versus Xbox and all that. And I was actually quite surprised because I was looking at the shadows and the way that the lighting worked and everything like that. I was pretty convinced. that it, well, Okay, it was running at 60 frames, but I was convinced that it was ray tracing and it's actually not ray tracing. Um, I thought it was maybe some ray trace shadows in there or some sort of global illumination, but no, it's all it's all like your your old school lighting. Um, but no, apparently I read somewhere um, that there is more like visual enhancements due. Um, what shape they'll come in, we don't know. But yeah, bear in mind the game's only been out a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all these little niggles that we're going to have are going to get ironed out.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So, Indeed. You know
1: this 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 launch being so strong is actually great because you have other companies, other um, development studios, and other publishers. They watch each other to see how their games do. Yes, and seeing that, seeing two things: seeing the horrible reaction from Diablo Immortal, and then seeing the phenomenal reaction from diablo 4 and how much the gaming community supports it is sending a clear message to the people that are running these publishing companies because they're dense you know they're dense (laughs) so um but it's sending a clear message to them if you give the gamers what they want they will support it
0: yep you make you make a quality product that works People will back you. People people really? aren't scared of $70 price tax. Like, nah. doesn't mean to say people still won't wait for sales, wait for secondhand. That's all that's happened. That's happened for 20 years. GameSpot, yeah. and Gate, and obviously um what's it? Uh, yeah, GameSpot you've got in, in America Central, isn't it? Um these, GameStop, GameStop, GameStop yeah. you've got. Yeah, we had GameSpot, you had GameStop. <laughs> Places like this have existed for a reason. Yeah. It does not stop people buying games brand new when they want it because it's good and games are selling more than ever and it's just if you get it right and you give people the good product that does work yeah brilliant you can't complain the problem is at the moment so i can say the problem is at the moment if you take something like jedi survivor which didn't work and people still bought it in its droves they go oh well Ah well, mm, yes, that's the problem, exactly. isn't it? Ah well, listen, we made our money. It would have cost us. It would have cost us more money in lost sales to fix it for six months. So, meh. and that's the downside is that because yeah. we're loyal and because we love this industry, we do buy on faith and we get shot down sometimes yeah. too often. I I used to call it my my phrase was the cyberpunk effect. I oh, so that, yeah. Cyberpunk, yeah. yeah, I yep. thought that would be the end of this happening. The cyberpunk would be that game that changed the industry. Don't get me wrong. Nothing's really came out as bad at Redfall. At least Redfall wasn't broken. It was a bad game. We've not had anything broken. You know, Jedi Survivor wasn't broken. It ran like shit. And on my review for the website, I panned it for that. But the game wasn't broken. I had two crashes in 50 hours. Yeah. But it just, it ran like shit. It didn't perform like it should. And it's just, it's a shame we do get that especially guys on PC get it more than we do on console. We're a little bit luckier, but it's a shame that does happen because your faith and your investment in your companies doesn't get rewarded then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You know, um, one, one more thing that I think helped out Diablo four is their marketing campaign was absolutely fire. Mm
2: -hmm. You know,
1: um, everything they did was resonating with the gamers and everybody was talking about it. And when your game hasn't even dropped yet, and it's already spreading like fire, word of mouth, you know tons of people are going to pick it up. Yeah. There's
0: something to be said for for betas and for not so much demos, because demos can be a tricky one. Because if yeah. you do something like Need for Speed recently and you give a 10-hour demo, you go, ah, I've had enough. Whereas Diablo is a game you can play for 150 hours, so the beta works. you know. And I think about the game at the moment that's due out by Ubisoft, which looks really good, which is X Defiant. Next to yeah. find obviously is an upcoming first person shooter that's been on, it's had a few closed betas. There's an open beta coming next weekend. And I know a few people, I think, Jamie, I think you were one that's played. Do you suppose you that's played the closed beta or was it Tam? No, no, it might have been Tam. I've, Tam. I would like to have played it. Yeah. Um, a few guys
2: if it was on PC, I would have got a chance to yeah, play
0: it. A few guys that we know played the closed beta and then played the one that didn't have an NDA. And the feedback is great. Like I mm. one guy I know, the exact words he said was it was something like everything I've wanted in Call of Duty, X Defiant's given me. I thought fucking hell. Wow. That comes back to your point, Sentinel. Give people what they want and people will respond.
1: Yeah. I remember Boldman Gamer bringing up X Defiant before, and he said it was phenomenal that it was gonna replace Call of Duty. Wow. And from what I what I from what I saw at the showcase, I think that's entirely possible.
0: Yep. If you look at their roadmap, and if you look, I, an interesting quote that I took from when I watched it, he said something about maps, and he and he worded it something like, "How did he word it now?" About our our historic maps, whatever. And I thought, "Oh, are we going to get old Far Cry and Assassin's Creed maps in this game?" Because that's, that's exciting. The bump,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- like, that would I'm, be interesting. How
0: fucking good is that to play old Far Cry, Assassin's Creed maps in your nice. fighting game? This is a, like. I've told people don't sleep on this game. Okay, don't sleep on this game.
1: Ubisoft are back. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're looking yeah, good think, right now. Yeah,
0: they I are. think.
2: I think the way that they, the the way that the guy kind of positioned it was in the region of kind of yeah, it's it's maps that that are basically going to harness the legacy of the Ubisoft games. Yes. Some some kind of something like that. Anyway, so I think we're going to see games. Yeah, maps that are maybe setting the, the, the mass effect Hope so mass effect yeah. sorry uh, assassins creed universe and far cry far cry and and stuff. Like that. Like that yeah mm. absolutely and the rabbits we're going we're going to <laughs> be fighting in a we're going to be fighting in a dance what is it dance party 2019 yeah.
1: map Ugh, yeah great. a dance party map Fuck just sick, dance or whatever yeah. it is just uh, dance
0: yeah i mean they said 12 maps over the next 12 new maps next year again how many times have you seen someone on on twitter call you saying, where's the new maps where's the new maps you see that all the time you know but hey, that's X fine. Okay, moving on to our feature. And um, this is a extremely hot topic, guys. I know, like me, any gamer, anyone who's watched this has probably enjoyed the last two weeks of showcases. Just want to get an overall feel. Um, Jamie, I'll come to you first. How have you found the kind of last two weeks of showcases? Um, and on reflection now, it's been the best part of two weeks. How are you feeling about what, Sony presented to us now as a sort of you know as a quick kind of coverage,
2: yeah, I mean, I touched upon it earlier on i I enjoy this time of the year because we do get random leaks, not leaks um reviews <laughs> um the my 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 opinion on the showcase from Sony hasn't changed um it was a it was a showcase, and you guys have touched upon it per- perfectly fine in, in other um pods. it was a showcase that showed off games. The negatives was that they didn't show off enough first party games. There wasn't enough gameplay, and we're still kind of sitting here thinking to ourselves, "On um, what eighteen years, eighteen months later, what have Sony got coming that yeah. is going to excite us as PlayStation Five owners?" Um, because so far we've not had anything like we've not had the big reveals. Um, yeah. uh, okay, yes, Spider Man got its its release date. Through Summer Game Fest.
0: Through Summer Game Fest, of course, yeah. yeah,
2: Yes. Um, <coughs> so, excuse me. So for, for me, it's, it's really difficult to say mm-hmm. that the showcases have been, have been just fine. And I think that's probably the phrase I would have to use to sum them up as they've been just
0: fine. Okay. So from your opinion, then, if you were to rank Summer Games Fest, PlayStation and Xbox Showcase in order, not as a score, but in order, how would you order them?
2: God, I think for me Xbox would be at the top.
0: Oh, okay,
2: because that was a showcase they really needed to have an have a presence at, and I felt that they, unlike other years, they have actually done a good job. Yeah, it's not far ahead of Summer Game Fest. I still feel Sony's was the poorest out of the out of the lot, Mm -hmm. simply because of the. It maybe just didn't meet the expectations. Yeah. And because we know there are a heap of games in development, we're surprised we didn't get anything. Yes. So for me it would be Xbox, then Summer Game Fest. Summer Game Fest, obviously, it's catering to a wider audience. It's not just a branded showcase. It's doing a, a heap of things. Yeah. Um and then yeah, um, PlayStations would probably have to be third. There's not much separating them. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Sony's was a complete and utter disaster, no. and I'm not saying that Xbox was uh, uh, absolutely like groundbreaking. I just sure. feel like Xbox had what they needed to do, f- considering the issues they've had.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and certainly yourself, you know, like how have you found the last couple of weeks? And you know, like after sort of what's been basically two weeks since since um, the PlayStation showcase, you know, how are you feeling about it now? With two weeks to kind of reflect, seeing everyone else's.
1: You know. Um I think as far as just a games showcase, the PlayStation showcase wasn't bad. It didn't really show games that are coming exclusively to the PlayStation other than Spider-Man 2 and Final Fantasy 16, but we already knew about those. So all these other studios that PlayStation owns, nobody really knows what's going on with them. So that I think that was a lot of people's gripe with the PlayStation showcase. It's a valid gripe. Yeah. Um, with games showcase um, this or the Summer Games Fest—that's what it's called. The Summer Games Fest was actually pretty good, you know. Um, so it, it's like if I had to rank it, I would say Xbox is at the top, Summer Games Fest is in the middle, and PlayStation is at the bottom, you know. And obviously, um, that's not taken into consideration either. Ubisoft or Capcom. Capcom would definitely be at the bottom. But I mean, they're regularly at the bottom, though. So <laughs> yeah,
0: you know. yeah, yeah. You're right. You know, obviously, we're, we're kind of focusing on on the big three, but we spoke about Ubisoft already. but you mentioned it there, I thought Ubisoft yeah. was brilliant. And by the way, I don't want to stay too far off topic, but how good does Prince of Persia look? <laughs> I, oh, I can't believe. I good. think this looks amazing. Especially what they showed at Ubisofts. I just yeah, I think Prince of Persia looks great.
1: Yeah, And I know they're working on a reboot, so I kind of feel like this is a game to keep people satisfied until that reboot shows up in two or three years.
0: Ah, see, I assumed this was the reboot that they've gone, do you know what, let's scratch making what's essentially a Assassin's Creed clone, because that's what Assassin's Creed started as, was a Prince of Persia game. Let's make it yeah. 2D. I didn't realize they were still doing another mm. Prince of Persia.
1: I, I believe it was said that it's going to be a triple A Prince of Persia that they're doing for the complete reboot. Right. So I, okay. I, I feel like they want to reinvest into the Prince of Persia uh, franchise, but this is a smaller title to keep people happy until the bigger title, you know, shows up. Because obviously, a bigger title is going to take longer.
0: Of course course yeah and what they showed about a year ago was fucking terrible anyway yeah, yeah. it just looked like the worst remaster you've ever seen in your life you know yes yeah i mean for me you know we said it as well i, I thought the last two weeks have been brilliant uh pains me to say it but jeff did a great job i thought summer game i always keep saying games Fest, summer game fest i feel as though it stole the show i feel as though it was the best showcase out there yeah. Given the content. I thought Jeff was really good. I thought the guests he had on and I thought it was paced really well. Sometimes I hate when they get people on stage talking about it. But you know what? I thought the people they got on, including Nick Cage, were very passionate about what they had to show. You know, yeah. and in and, and seeing um, Ed Boone on stage, I mean that, you know, that guy, he deserves some he you know, he's worked on Mortal Kombat for twenty odd years, and he fucking loves that game and he's proud as punch of his franchise and seeing him on stage he was so charming and so so uh nice and I just thought you know what fair play to you mate you are a good guy in this industry um I just yeah, yeah I, I thought Summer Games Fest started well middle was good and and so was the end. I was expect I must admit I was expecting to see Death Stranding too um given you know their their best buds. A little bit surprised yeah. that was missing. Um, and in terms of in terms of how i rank them Summer Games Fest definitely number one. And then yeah, I think it is the Xbox Showcase. Slightly behind was PlayStation. I don't think there's a lot in it. And it's funny when when we when we watched the PlayStation Showcase, we immediately recorded a reaction. And I called it 7 out of 10. Spoke about the good points and bad points, Jamie. You covered it. Didn't see really any gameplay, mostly CGI. Yeah. Saw a lot of good third party, which is great, because people forget third parties prop up this industry. We need to stop saying that, oh, it's full of third parties. Five times as many games are sold at a third party. So remember that as well. Yeah. But in the next day, on reflection, I went, mm, do you know what? I'm a little bit more mid on it. And I feel the same way about Xboxes. We're forgetting Starfield. We'll talk about Starfield separately in a little while. because That was outstanding. But in terms of just what would class as the Xbox showcase, I feel it was always the same thing and that. I thought it was really good. And then as the day went on, and it's sort of Monday, I went, actually... A bit like the PlayStation 1, I'm a little bit colder on it. And I feel as though both of them suffered from similar fates in the gameplay side of things. PlayStation was bad because the gameplay was CGI. Xbox was bad because the gameplay was in- in-game in engine rendered, which is fucking basically a posh way of saying CGI. There's no difference. It's not gameplay. Yeah, regard- pretty it, much. No yeah. matter how much spin you put on Fable, none of what you saw there is you with a controller in your hand moving sticks. That is mm-hmm. not gameplay. It is a marketing spin of the highest order. So I feel as though we saw a lot of first party from Xbox, but it's the same stuff we've been seeing for four years: Fable, mm-hmm. Forza, Avowed. We've been uh, Hellblade Two. We've been hearing yeah. these games showcase after showcase after showcase. So what started with 11 first parties, well, three were DLCs, four we've been hearing about for four years. So, what did we really see? we didn't know about? um so that's kind of why I felt as though what it was quite strong on the next day on reflection, after the fact it was it was pretty mid, but slightly better than PlayStations, not gonna <laughs> lie because at least at least xbox got some sort of first party what did we get we got hate we got a cgi trailer for haven that we didn't even know what the game was about until you read a blog post Well that's a problem right away when you need mm-hmm. to read a blog post an hour later to understand what a game is about you've got a fucking problem you know yeah so i feel so they kind of both suffered that same fate there but nevertheless across all the showcases we saw I read it was about two hundred games. Yeah, it's quite I a mean, bit. I mean, guys, I mean, two hundred games. Cried, like, yeah, yeah, two hundred games. I mean, wow, we cannot complain.
2: I, I still feel like what's interesting about the Sony one was that there's been games unveiled after the show. I mean, again, I'm putting my VR headset on here. Um for me, one of the best games I've ever played on PC that's a horror game is Phasmophobia, and that's playable in VR on PC. See if they just dropped that announcement trailer in at the PlayStation Showcase that they were bringing Phasmophobia to PSVR2. That would have been for me. That would have been a massive win. Um, even given the release date for for Hubris as well, um, which only got announced today. Uh, there's been a little, and, and again, that was that was kind of reserved for upload VR. So we've got. It seems like. The problem with Summer Game Fest and everything being spread out and having all these mini showcases is that there does seem to be some kind of background deals being made where it's like, right, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna show this at the Sony showcase. Jeff, you can have this at the Summer Game Fest. Gags, you can have this at Upload VR. You know, you can you know, and it just to me it dilutes the impact of the branded showcase a little bit for me. Yeah. That's my
1: biggest gripe about Summer Game Fest. Another thing I want to bring up is that at the PlayStation Showcase, they didn't show the release date for Spider Man. They actually did it, what was that, at Summer Games Fest, they showed the yeah. release date? And it's like, you can't show it at the PlayStation Showcase? Well, that's what I mean. And
2: I'm wondering if there's been like some kind of background deals being made, something where yeah. Jeff Cayley's kind of said, look, I'll pay you another 20 quid if you let us show it off at the Summer right.
0: Game Fest. But, you know, yeah. Well, I was going to, that was one of my next questions was, you know, that. A lot of people have asked, what the, or said, what the fuck? A lot of people weren't even happy it was there, to be honest with you. I, I saw you know a comment was, well, hang on, please, you, had, you had your own showcase, buck off, type of thing, you know? <laughs> but I asked a question, do we think Spider-Man 2 being there? Because bear in mind, it felt very rushed. The content they showed was the same action scene they showed at the PlayStation Showcase. They yeah. didn't really show anything new, and then they announced the release date. Do we think that was reactionary to the negativity over the PlayStation Showcase or do you think it was already preset? Because bearing in mind, one phone call to Jeff Keighley, he would have added that at the last minute. So you can't say, oh, summer game sets were already planned. He would have added that in at last minute. That's not up for debate. But was that what happened or was it just pure coincidence that, that, that it was there?
1: I, I think it was a reaction. I think it was a reaction. That's how it felt
0: that's how it felt yeah correct yeah. i feel that's how it felt yeah I'm not i'm not suggesting it was that i do feel as though it was reactionary they've, they've gone fuck the reaction yeah. to this our showcase i mean if you I don't know if anyone saw us but herman host put a tweet out after the showcase and if, see if you read through the replies it would have taken you about 10 minutes to get to something positive it was awful mm. That man got hounded, right? Tweet after tweet, and that that that's that shows what people think about that. And end of the day, that's not Xbox or Xbox followers. That's PlayStation followers following Herman Holst. You know. Well, I, so, I want to
1: point something else out is sure. um, the PlayStation showcase was before Xbox, you know, the Xbox showcase. So it kind of feels like they wanted to see um, specifically if the Starfield release date was going to stay. I think it's September sixth, right? And it kind of feels like they wanted to place Spider-Man against another game that it wasn't going to be directly competing with. That's what it felt like, and that's why they waited. But then when they saw the backlash, they had a date in mind, and then they said, you know what? Forza is going to be in that area. It's two different types of games, so we'll put it there. You know, that's what it felt like.
0: Yeah, it felt more tactical than something else.
1: Which, I mean, it makes sense because you look at like um, how Titanfall 2, which was such a great game when it launched, it launched in between Call of Duty Infinite Warfare and Battlefield 1, and it almost yeah. completely killed the hype for it. Yeah. So a lot of these companies I think are more cautious with where they release these games.
2: It's a bit like the movie industry moving moving tentpole blockbusters to not compete with other big yeah. big budget movies that are coming out at the same time. I guess it's very similar, isn't it? The problem you've got It's from September onwards, it's gonna be stacked anyway. So regardless of where you put your game, you're gonna be up against something big.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we think it's stacked. Again, a negativity I've got more so on the Xbox side was too many fluffy dates, too many twenty twenty four dates. Very little nailed down. Um that's that's you know, a little bit disappointing as well. So we don't really know. You know, if you like someone made a list of games between now and Christmas and it's superb. But if you were to try and make a list between January and June twenty twenty four, what do you put in it? There's not much yeah. to put in it because you don't. We just don't know. Now thank fuck. my, <laughs> yeah, my yeah. brain. Like, I'm
2: sorry, but yeah,
0: a dozen of these games we speak or we saw could fall into that, but we just we just don't know. You know, I think. Well, Outlaws, um, which was a highlight of the showcases, I'm sure that said early twenty twenty four. I think that will be delayed. Just as an FYI. But that was one of the few that we know in terms of big triple A's. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Dates. I like. I like a few more dates. But um, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I, you know, I kind of touched on gameplay. I've asked this question before, and I'll ask you guys as well. Should we, in terms of trailers for games, should we move to a point where we don't have cinematics or even in-game? gameplay should should literally gameplay be gameplay or do you think there's still a place for these type of trailers
1: it needs to be gameplay straight gameplay because then no one can say anything and it's like is it if if you have these segments that you want to show off like the giant talking in fable have the character work their way to the part where he starts talking but it's gameplay that leads to that then have the video of him talking to this character and then they fight have it in the middle of it so that you can see the gameplay goes into the in-game, you know, cutscene or whatever, and then it goes back to more gameplay.
0: Yeah. Jamie, yourself?
1: Yeah, no, I think to
2: not to go so much off on a tangent a little bit. We've heard kind of rumblings coming out from the industry just in the last kind of 24, 48 hours that we need to kind of get, we need to get away as gamers. We need to start setting different really expectations about how long it's going to take for computer games now to be designed. So they're talking about things like five to six years nowadays. So essentially half, what, decade for a game to be made. Yeah. Um, so, gameplay trailers are all very well and good. I agree. Gameplay trailers to me are not cutscenes. They are people picking up the controller and playing the game, and making it clear that the game is being played. Um, <clears throat> uh, so for me, CG trailers I dislike, but studios will want to get an announcement out there to generate buzz and to get hype going, get it trending on Twitter and things like that. Money for the shareholders and all that jazz. Um, that being said, you you see the the Hellblade trailer got announced at the Game Awards 2019. It was a CG trailer, although Xbox fans will have you believe it was an engine um, We're still 2023 and the game has been pushed to 2024. Um, and we're still seeing cutscenes only. Um it's such a difficult balance because, from a marketing point of view, you have to put stuff out there. But from a gamer and a consumer, you want to see gameplay. Yeah, I don't know where I feel. I don't know how I feel about it anymore. Like I don't. I do. I really hate like, CG trailers because one of the things that put me off Diablo in the run-up was a lot of the stuff you saw was CG trailers, and I was like, the game won't look like that, and it doesn't for the most part because it's an it's, it's an asymmetrical top-down view.
0: Yeah. I'd say it looks nothing like what well, the cut the cutscenes are stunning in Diablo, absolutely oh, wow. they're, they're fucking brilliant. But they're but they're but they're CGI cutscenes, and you know, end of the day, because because of the way gaming is nowadays, the difference between what was a CGI cutscene and an in-game engine rendered cinematic, there's so little to distinguish them. They're they're you know they are in end of the day they are the same thing because they're just showing you scenes. Difference within game is, is that they're showing you scenes that you will see when you're involved in the game but neither of it is playing the game and you know I, I i've used the example of ragnarok now ragnarok is a stunning looking game but ragnarok has two visuals it's got the visuals when you're running around controlling kratos kratos controlling atreus and there's the visuals when you're in a room whether it's um uh, brock and Sindri's house and you're up close and personal talking with whether it's with um with with syndrome themselves or having a one to one with Atreus, um, or big tall guy, help me out, um, Oh my god. Whatever his name is, I can't think. You know, those down the mic. I'm shouting down the mic, Tear, Tear, but tier. I was on you. With those close up cinematic scenes, now they're not cut scenes taking you out of the game. But when you're playing the game and you control Kratos and you run up to Tier and you stand in front of Tyr, you do not say the same fidelity you've just watched when you were speaking to him in a cutscene. They look totally different. It still looks great. Ragnarok is still a great-looking game, but it doesn't look as good as with this in-game engine render you just watched 10 seconds before. It just doesn't. yeah First of all, the dis the draw distance is completely different straight away. So. It's just, there's this line between what is gameplay. Gameplay is, you are literally controlling your hand, moving your sticks, and what you're seeing is you moving it. That is gameplay, and anything else for me is is marketing talk, and it's false advertising, really.
2: I I remember one of the first games, I think it was, I'm not going to say first games, actually, that's maybe a bit unfair, but one of the games that did it really well to start with was, I think it was Uncharted 4. Did that whole in-engine cutscenes, but the way the camera then panned back to the gameplay, there was no transition. So it was almost like I mean, the the great things about um, God of War, the first two God of War, is they're actually made as a one-shot movie. So they're a wee bit like nineteen seventeen. Yes, that the camera does not cut, never cuts. Yeah, um, it's always um, and it's a, in a way that's a really really cool like achievement in a way. But it's great from a um, presentation point of view because, as you say, you're never being taken out of the immersion by seeing a pre-rendered CGI cutscene. Again, Last of Us Part One remake sort of thing did it. They, that's one of the things they improved on is that they didn't have these CG cutscenes where your game would be you. Would, you would have a cut. It would go to your CG and then it would cut again, and you'd be back in the game. It's all done in engine. Um, at the rates right, and, and and that's the other point at the same frame rate that you're playing <laughs> There's yeah. no, none of that none of that jarring it takes you back to the thirty frames too yeah um false advertising i think I wouldn't I don't know, I think it depends on how much of false advertising if we're talking cyberpunk levels of false advertising <laughs> then definitely um. But I'm not sure if we would call it false advertising because if it's a game and it's, being, if it's running off the console or PC that it's allegedly working off, then I don't see it technically. So. Maybe mess. Email, email the CMA and ask them. <laughs> right,
0: right. <laughs> um, we also obviously got the Starfield Direct, which I'm kind of classing this. They've classed it as separate. I'm classing it as separate. Sentinel, I'll come to you first starfield we got I think 40 minutes yeah. what do you think what, what what's you've watched that you saw it what's your impressions
1: um I like I like how you can customize your ship I like um how you can actually get in space battles I am a fan of fallout so I'm I was already definitely looking forward to starfield but everything we saw um it looked phenomenal my biggest gripe though obviously is the frame rate they didn't you know, they said, "Hey, we'll disclose all of that," but they didn't. They waited <laughs> until later oh, on.
0: Oh, we'll come to that. Mm. Oh, we will yeah. come to that.
1: <laughs> so, aside from that, the game looks great. You know, aside yeah. from the frame rate, the game looks phenomenal. Yeah, really we all. I think it. It
0: we're all making giant cocks as our spaceships. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just make sure. <laughs> I'm gonna name <leave> mine Donnie. <laughs> 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 Fuck you, <Right. laughs> Jamie.
0: Uh, what was your What was your thoughts on, on what we saw about Starfield? Starfield. It's the
2: first Xbox game that has made me want to buy a Series X.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: I have a Series S. Mm. Um, well, I'll actually rephrase that. It's the only game that's made me want an Xbox full stop. Whether or not I feel like a Series X would be worth the extra money from me still getting 30 frames per second is yeah. debatable. If it was a case the Series X was getting 60 frames, then fine. But the Series S is still getting the same... Bloody FPS! The only difference I think is going to be a resolution into
0: it. Well, I'll, I'll be uh, honest yeah. with you. I've I have seen at least half a dozen people in the last two days say, "Why the fuck did I buy a Series X? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: X, yeah, yeah, X, yeah, mm-hmm. Why the fuck did I buy this mm-hmm. thing?
0: Because I'm getting no support on it. Yeah. So you probably the Series X probably is holding it back. In my probably...
2: opinion, Series X is holding the X back.
0: Well, we've we've all thought that, but then the X is the one that's not getting supported. The X is supposed to be the next gen one, so. So one, it's not it's not being supported in any way. It's not supported. But by Redfall it, or this or Starfield. Is so.
2: that is that not because of this whole smart delivery fangled thing that they've got, mm-hmm. where you buy one copy of the game and that copy carries you over two different consoles? But you can PS- s-
0: still have different different performance modes on both. So you could, you could have yeah. a sixty mode on one, for example, just not on Starfield.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, whereas whereas obviously so with PlayStation, you have what. You have two, two theoretically two SKUs, don't you? But yeah. but, but they're both the same. Both they're identical. Yeah, they're both identical in terms of power and performance. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, Starfield. I know a lot of the guys in the Discord, and many, many, many people out there are comparing it to No Man's Sky. Um, I love No Man's Sky. I've got for me that's one of the best kind of comeback stories in gaming in the last few years. Agreed. Um, it, for me, Sky... Um. I nearly called it Skyrim and space there, but yeah, Starfield does a lot of things right. I think graphically, it, looks stu- it does look stunning graphically. I think it looks really, really, really good. Um, I love the customization features. The combat looks all right, if I'm being honest. I don't think it looks bad.
0: Yeah, well, the, 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 rum- will- the rumor is they got, they got id Software to go in and help them with the, with the, with the first person shooter side. That's the rumor doing the rounds.
2: I've heard yeah, I've heard Ed are involved, but I've heard that they weren't involved in the shooting, but that the only people who will know that for sure are yeah. the people who work behind the scenes, eh? Yeah. Um I like the customer the, the character customization mode. I think that first Bethesda game looks really decent. Yeah. Like I say, it's the it's one of the first games that's really got me excited about having Good. an Xbox, and I'll probably still end up playing it on PC. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, we know why. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I, I was, Starfield was my most anticipated game for this year anyway, um, which may surprise some people. And I, I, I think this looks phenomenal. I like the fact that People, are, people are saying it's now. I, I, people are saying it's Fallout in space. Now, I never got along with Fallout. I think the things I didn't like about Fallout, I didn't really like the world. For example, I hated the pit. Was it Pit Boy? You called it the fucking thing on your mm. wrist, the map. I hated that. Yeah. I don't. I, I like. A, give me just give me a, a pause menu, interactive map, right? So I didn't really like
2: the 1960s smartwatch. Yeah, thing. I
0: fucking hated that thing. So you know that aside, I don't think I'll have I'll have any issues with it. I think you're right in terms. Of, I think the character creator looks amazing. Um, everything that you can do, the immersion. People people saying it's like No Man's Sky. It is. There's elements of No Man's Sky in this game. I don't think anyone's saying. Or no, sorry. I don't think anyone is seriously, apart from trolling, saying, "Oh, it's No Man's Sky." There's elements of No Man's Sky. Of course, there is. But there's elements of other games in every game. Every game has got elements of other games. It just so happens that. The bits that look like No Man's Sky, they do look a bit like a clone. You know, the, the, the laser of of of, of taking um, nutrients and things, that is very No Man's Sky-y, but that looks like a very small percentage of what this giant game is, which is effectively three or four games in one. I think you're right about the first-person shooter. I thought that looked quite punchy and good. I like the fact that certain gravitational areas are affected by bullets so like placing zero gravity you want to use an energy gun because bullets fire you back that's Mm -hmm, great bits of detail fair fucking play really good bits of detail that i was concerned about the ai it took about half an hour before we saw an ai shooting back bit concerned about that but again it could be an old build that we saw you know final fantasy 16 Demo isn't running brilliantly. and There's people using that to point score. Well, it's a two. It's two builds old. Fucking hell! So again, what you saw there could be a bit old in terms of build, you know. So again, we'll wait for that to develop. And it could have been the start of the game where usually AI are a bit dumber. Let's be on the first few hours are usually quite soft entries into the game. So we can kind of let that off till we've played a bit more. The overwhelming issue, and I'm going to get to it now is the fucking frame rate? It's elephant in the room is the frame rate and this is a major problem and if you think that 30 frames per second is acceptable in this day and age you might want to fucking turn away now because it isn't and the funniest thing about it is is that microsoft don't feel it's acceptable either because see if they did they'd have told you in the direct but they didn't they were fucking snaky about it. They waited till afterwards till the hype was at its peak and people logged off for the night mm. and they went, oh, here's little interviews. We'll sneak out to IGN and tell them that it's 30 frames per second and we'll make up some bullshit about f- how we want to get the best fidelity possible. Fucking horseshit. This whole thing is yeah. horseshit. This is a This is a 2023 modern day gaming world where we have Xbox Series Xs and we have PlayStation 5s that promised... 4K and or 60 frames per second. When the Series X was marketed as Project Scarlet, they spent more time talking about frame rates than fidelity. Aaron Greenberg himself said 60 frames per second is the standard. 120 is the target. Mm. PlayStation 5, first party games, every single one of them has got a 60 frames per second mode. It's got an option yeah. of 30. That's fine. Do you want to play your game at 30? You're a moron, but fucking go ahead. <laughs> but at least the 60 frame option is there. Having a game locked at 30 in this day and age is fucking pointless. You'd have been as well, if you want to play a game at 30 frames per second, you'd be as well keeping your PS4 or your Xbox One, because that's what you're getting. You're getting last-gen performance. You've paid 500 fucking quid for it. And I hate when I see people saying, oh, but if they do it right, 30 frames per second is quite smooth. 30 frames per second isn't smooth. It can't be smooth. The the, The frames don't change what does changes is, is that if you think it's smooth it's just because it's locked because it's not chugging away at 20 or 25 it's locked at 30. and the thing that annoys me most about it is is that every one of us who are gamers chances are we play games on one of two things either a gaming monitor or we play it on a on a on a 4k tv if you're lucky you after a 4k tv but if you play it on a tv what's the first thing you do when you plug in your ps5 your series x is you change that gate that that mode in your TV to games mode? Why? Game mode. Because you change it to game mode, it improves the latency. And this is the thing people don't get: is thirty frames per second isn't just a visual; it also halves your latency. It's an improvement on how you play that fucking game. And that is why we put our TVs into game mode because we want the sharper puncher input. Even though that game mode is downgrading your visuals as a result, can kind of give you both? So it substitutes fidelity to give you better latency. And it's doing that for a reason. That's what 30 frames per second does. It's halving your latency. And not only that, it's also doubling your reaction time because you're seeing things doubly quick happen on the screen. You try, and play a, you try and play a Souls game at 30, you try and play a Souls game at 60, and it's massively different because you're missing those instant punchy moments. It's not just about how it looks walking around. Oh, and by the way, Starfield, oh, it's not much of a shooter. It is a shooter. But games just walking around can still look like shit at 30. So there's my moan. There's my rant. 30 frames per second is fucking horrendous, unacceptable, and it shouldn't be an option in Starfield on their flagship game. If Spider-Man Two had a 30 frames per second mode only, people would lose their shit. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be tweeting out suddenly changing their mind after six months. Oh, six months ago, 30 frames unacceptable. Well, what are we doing now suddenly it's acceptable because it's Starfield. Bullshit, yeah. bullshit. The the the, the one eighty spin, the one eighty turn on thirty and sixty frames. Now suddenly being acceptable because it suits a narrative is mental, absolutely mental. And that's me Park done, life. <laughs> <laughs> and that is me done. <laughs> <clears throat> that's the monologue, baby.
2: Sorry, I was away walking my dog. What were you saying? Fucking right, yeah. <laughs> 20, Twenty minutes later.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm done. That's me. I've said my piece. I know. Fuck, I'm sweating. I'm sweating saying all that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're both speechless, which is good, you know?
1: I, you know, I agree. Um, you know, it, it says on the box, 4k, you know, 120 frames per second. It, whether that's, whether they're saying, Hey, that's about, you know, movies or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's on the box, you know? Um, you have some games that legitimately will run 4K 120 frames per second on the Xbox Series X. They legitimately will, you know. Um, there's actually a list of them online. But you're right about Starfield running at 30 frames per second locked 4K. It's, um, you know, I and I, I've said this before. Some people didn't like this, but I said... Maybe um, Bethesda Softworks needed id Software to come over and help them out because I said if id Software said, hey, you know what, we're taking over this and we're taking over that, I guarantee at a minimum it would be 60 frames per second locked at 4K. Because id Software is – they are on that level. Not all of the Bethesda Studios are equal. I feel like Bethesda Softworks Softworks is at best a B-minus studio as far as – technical capabilities yes the game looks beautiful but 30 frames per second in 2023 there's just no excuse for it you know it's like are we going to play it anyway even though it's 30 frames per second yes
0: am i happy about it no Correct.
1: you know and i mean i would be willing to bet whatever id software is working on next you can probably run it at 120 frames per second on the series x at 1080p 60 frames per second locked at 4k and yet Bethesda can't even do that with Starfield that is supposed to be the Xbox game of this generation. There's no excuse for it. Yeah, There's just not.
0: Yeah. But hey, listen, you get a pile of sandwiches, so it's all worth it, apparently.
1: Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, so, what you're
2: saying about Ed there, you're absolutely right. I mean, they've got their games run 120 hours, I mean, 120 frames per second. I know that Doom, the Doom games have a massive speed running kind of community out there, both on PC and on console, Um, they would freak the fuck out if you had anything under 120Hz capable on on console, even coming into this new next gen of consoles. Um, I'm a wee bit... like. So for me, I I I know I mentioned this to you off-stream yesterday, Donnie, and playing Diablo that I didn't mind 30 frames back on the PS4 slash PS4 Pro game days, especially playing a third-person action-adventure game, I always kind of use the expression that if you're not looking through the eyes of the character, therefore if you're playing third person, kind of 30 frames adds that cinematic feel to a game because movies run at 24 frames per second. The difference is when you are playing a game and this is something I've kind of gotten more like snobby about since playing more games at 60 is when you're playing a game at 60 and I'm going to cite Elden Ring at this, and Jedi Survivor to a certain extent, it's all about that that time you've got to react to something, and the animations, um, latency, things like that. If you're playing a game at 30, and Jedi Survivor is a perfect example of this, my combat is shitter playing a game at 30 frames per second than it is playing at 60. Of course it is.
0: Yeah, your reaction time, of course it is.
2: My reactions, and I feel like I'm doing something and the game's taking it's it's time to catch up with me. So I've shifted a lot more from being a fan of 30 to a fan now of 60 as a kind of standard to a point where I can't go back to playing a game that's 30 now. And, I, and I've done it a few times where I've, I've played a game at 60. I've chucked on the 30 frames of the fidelity modes or whatever you want to call it, the quality modes, just to see what like it is. Pardon me. Excuse me. Jesus Christ, that's that beer. Um, and the um, the sacrifice is not worth it. There is no gay. You're not... You're Okay, fine. You get an extra bit of foliage. Um, Starfield running at only 30 frames. For me, it's mind-boggling. Like, I don't see why they can't make just some kind of sacrifice somewhere. Yeah, okay, they want this fidelity. They want the level of detail. I get it. But there are so many nice-looking games out there that run at 60 frames a sec. Yep. Um, Horizon. Yep. The, the Horizon uh, Forbidden West runs at 60, and it's a massive open-world game. And the, the textures, the level of detail are all there to see. Correct. Um, I don't get it. I, 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 I can't yeah. argue for it. There's yeah. no argument I could put in place for that.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you, you what, it, as well. Oh, sorry, I was going to say before you jump into you mentioned Horizon there. When the DLC came out, I thought, you know, I'm just going to put this on. I switched it to 30, so the fidelity mode, 30 frames, and it was fucking disgusting. Like, that was, it was truly awful. I even put it to the balance mode. I've got a 120 TV with VRR, and I put it at the 40. FPS mode and it was still ugly at 40. And that's a third person game. So you know, sent oh sorry mate, I jumped in.
1: Well, I was gonna say I watched um a few years ago, there was a there was a YouTuber that was talking about um the difference between 60 and 120 frames per second when you're playing something like Battlefield, and he said um the reaction time that it gives you whenever it's a higher frames per second. Is absolutely necessary in something fast-paced like a shooter because he said from the moment you see the enemy until the moment you're engaging each other is less than half a second. And if you have something that's like 30 frames per second, they have a clear advantage over you. Even if it was as little as 45 frames per second is what they have and you have 30 frames per second, it's still an advantage that they have. So the difference between 30 to 60 is even more. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's well, double
0: in it. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, someone even mentioned it actually makes a difference for things like if you're playing a shooter that's got because obviously there's there's bits of auto aim in shooters, especially on console. Yeah. It affects that as well. It's there's so much to it that people just think oh, yeah. but it's smooth. It's not just about the smoothness. It's literally it's a performance. The word is performance, yeah. not visual. And the, clues uh, if, you, in the if, you're, if you're, if you're aim, playing it.
2: If you're playing a competitive shooter at 30 frames per second, you come up against somebody running at 60, 120, you're you're you're, you're done. I mean, yeah. there was there was that whole thing about Switch players playing um, the Apex Legends. Obviously, became cross playing. You could play with Switch players, and that was funny as fuck. Yeah. Um, I mean, like especially play if you were against somebody who's handheld, like playing on the handheld mode. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know. I know. The thing is, it's obviously. Um, Starfield is a single-player experience only, Um, but uh, I I just think I don't like it. I don't like the fact it's only going to be thirty frames, and I didn't. I don't think they even mentioned. Unlike Redfall, I don't even think they said, "Oh, a performance patch will be coming." I think it's just it's going to be thirty frames.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the Switch there. I just want to make this point that if you're someone, if you're someone who's defending thirty frames per second, your Series X or a PS Five. If you're defending your next-gen 500-pound console and you're defending it by comparing it to a near-decade-old decade old technology and a seven-year-old handheld console aimed at families, you're the fucking problem. Because that's wholly unacceptable that you think that's a fair yeah. comparison.
1: That's, and it's It's, 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 it's like, difficult. It's difficult because Nintendo isn't on par with Xbox and PlayStation. It's kind of like they're not on the same level. They're a little behind, you know.
0: Yeah, but you, but yeah you, you have to, you have to excuse that. You know, like, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I'm kind of midway through Tears of the Kingdom playing that on the Switch. Yeah. And yeah, it's not great, but I chose to play that game, knowing the limitations. But I'm buying, I'm playing it on a console that I accept as old and was never designed to run at sixty. So I'm choosing that limitation. But I chose a Series X and a PS5 to play 60 frames per second games. That's why I've got them. And I said at the top of this, if I wanted to play at 30, I'd have kept my PlayStation 4. And I wouldn't have bought a Series X. I didn't buy these consoles. I could have stuck with 30. Just like, and I always bring back the example. People say, oh, but you used to play games at 30. The last generation you played at 30. PS2 games you played at 30. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? In the 1960s, people watch TV in black and white and then color TVs came out and what happened then? No fucker bought a black and white TV again, just because something used to be one way when technology shifts, that's the way it goes. Everyone's moving into electric cars in 10 years time. You can't buy a petrol or diesel car in the UK or Europe. So you can't say, Oh, but you used to drive a diesel car. Yeah, but I can't fucking buy them now. This is the new standard. Exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, it's just, it's, um, it's excuses, but listen, we're obviously all on the same page, so there you go, you know, not after often that happens. Right. <laughs> okay, listen, we're going to wrap it up. Um, I asked you both to do a little bit of homework, and that homework was I just wanted your top five most anticipated games that came out of this showcase. Sentinel, uh, what, was your, what was your top five?
1: Um, obviously, you know, I'm really looking forward to Forza Motorsport. I'm also looking to looking forward to, <coughs> excuse me, the Crew Motorfest, um, Starfield, of course, Assassin's Creed, uh, Mirage, and then Star Wars Outlaws. Those are my top five right now. Nice. Nice. And Jamie yourself?
2: Um, yeah, so I would probably say that my top five were, obviously Spider-Man. There was that one that not many people are kind of chatting about on the Phantom Blade Zero was
0: shown off. Yes. The PlayStation one. Yes.
2: Very Sekiro kind of FromSoft style game. Yep. Looked amazing. Looked honestly brilliant. And we're talking about a lack of gameplay. That that for me looked amazing gameplay wise. But I think, I think Craig and you touched upon it on your reaction video, how much of that was actual gameplay. Aye,
0: it was tough to know. Yes. Um,
2: but then we said all the, a, a lot of that was said about, um, remember Ghost of Tsushima as well? There was a lot of gameplay shown off of that, and people were trying to say that was CG. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have Alan Wake 2, Starfield, obviously, and Assassin's Creed Mirage, because as much as I've went off the Assassin's Creed franchise, it looks like returning to the original, yes. route, going back to the roots. Yes, it looks like awesome. old
0: school 1 and 2, the yep. way it should be. Which is what we've asked for, and we're getting. Yeah. Yeah, as much as listen I, you know i got the platinum in valhalla so i i love the the new way it's gone but i pine for the old original with with um with Ezio and in, in the first one coming uh, the, the protagonist name actually but um altair was it altair i think it was altair and Ezio. so i pine for the original game so yeah for me um star wars outlaws is is probably probably number one. No, it's not number one. I'm not putting them in order because Spider-Man 2 is there and Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 2. Starfield, obviously. Excited for Metal Gear Solid Delta. Metal Gear Solid 3 remake. Whenever we do get it. No one's going to mention it much. Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. You know, there's my Final Fantasy 7. That'll be my top five. And because I'm a slut and I can't just nail down five, I'm giving you Prince of Persia, Sonic and Mirage as well. There's my eight. Sorry. (laughs) You're getting eight. Nice. Nice. (laughs) You whore. I know, I know, I'm a whore. <laughs> I'm a whore. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Jamie, thank you for coming on like you have done. Truly appreciated. Anything's
2: <laughs> like, fine. I was kind of wigging it most of the night, as you could probably yeah, tell. Fine. You guys that's, were talking about Embracer Group, and I'm like, who the fuck are Embracer Group? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <like that. laughs> I'm like, fucking g- frantically typing
1: away in Google. Like,
0: <laughs> any <laughs> column, <Don't man>.
1: lie.
0: <laughs> anything, yeah. anything you need to plug, Jamie?
2: Um, no, so I'm still kind of making a little kind of phase return to doing um some streaming on my own Twitch channel over on twitch.tv forward slash good underscore boy underscore Jamie. Um tend to stream a little bit of VR on PSVR 2 and I'm trying to get back into some more um, story based games currently working through
0: Star Trek Resurgence. Superb. Superb. Nice. And Mr. Sentinel, tell us all about yourself about XPN before I let you go.
1: Sure. Um I am on XPN. Uh, it's an XPN network. You can find our tweets on Twitter. Obviously, we have a YouTube channel. Right now, we're doing two podcasts weekly. The uh, PSN Party Podcast is on Tuesdays at 8:30 p.m. UK time. That's 2:30 p.m. Central Time in the United States. The Xbox Live Party Podcast is on, two, it's on Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. UK time. And then I have my own YouTube channel, of course, SSG Sentinel, and the same for Twitch, SSG Sentinel. You can find me there live streaming almost every night of the week.
2: Fab. I will drop you a follow on your Twitch. Look at that. Nice. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and all, on all your other socials.
0: You're Thank a busy you. man, Sentinel. You're a busy man. I try. <laughs> good good, and i'll and i'll be on your podcast in a, in a few weeks as well at the end of june so um, yep good looking forward to it nice cool all right everyone listen thank you very much for listening in this uh this playstation podcast is coming fortnightly with myself obviously the the main pure dead gaming podcast comes out every thursday 3 p.m uk nothing's changed there We're still looking to do a bit more streaming, a bit more Twitch, a bit more live to YouTube as well. So we've had some really good numbers. All metrics have grown in the last few weeks, which is good. Something we've not done a lot of and uh, we're dipping our toe in. And uh, and Craig and Jess over in the main podcast are working really hard behind the scenes with that. So yeah, listen, thank you everyone for listening. And bye guys. Bye.